0: From the Gettysburgian and 91.1 WCBT Gettysburg, I'm Ben Pont and this is On Target.
1: I'm Mary Fraser. Today, On Target, we'll discuss yet another power outage as well as a smattering of campus events, including the ever popular Oktoberfest.
0: Then I'll sit down with the president of the Gettysburg College Student Senate, Pat McKenna. Stay with us. Let's get into the excitement, the, the electric excitement of Gettysburg College, or perhaps we should say the not electric excitement. So let's just set the scene first. Monday and Tuesday are reading days. Many people leave campus. Some stay, not a whole lot goes on on campus in terms of organized activity. And then people gradually return Tuesday evening and some perhaps did not do so much reading during their days and are getting caught up. And one such person was our friend Mary, who was in Bridenbaugh? I was in Brydenbaugh. In Bridenbaugh in the wee hours of Wednesday morning.
1: Not even. It was 1230. I don't know if that qualifies as wee hours.
0: In the earliest of hours, the first hour of Wednesday. That's true. And the lights go out.
1: Yeah. Everywhere. Yes. So I was on the fourth floor of Rodden Ball studying for my midterm. Shout out to History 318, um, which got canceled the next day anyway, but it's okay. Um, And so I was studying with my good old friend, Lizzie Hobbs, my girlfriend over there. Um, And all of a sudden the lights went out. Um, and it was quite terrifying, um, uh, cause the fourth floor has very little lights. Plus it's 1230 in the morning. So like, there's not, you, not the, much
0: natural light going on there. Yeah.
1: So the, like there was very little windows. So even if it was light outside, it would still get very dark. Um, but it was obviously dark outside. So it was very, very dark. Um, but then the lights came back on, but you could kind of tell they were generator lights. Um, so we went down the steps, um, and looked out into the abyss. That was just darkness. Cause there was no lights on campus. Street
0: lights went out.
1: Let's yeah. There was literally no lights. <laughs> it was pitch black on campus. I couldn't even see, I could barely see the like doors to go into both Paul and Rice because of the emergency lights in the hallway, but like, couldn't even tell you where Stein was. Like, obviously I know where Stein is, but like, I couldn't right. see Stein from Bridenball. Um, So, very dark, um, and I could hear people screaming outside. Um, So, first, it was quite humorous, um, because, like, someone yelled, like, my parents are playing for this, give me my lights back, and all that fun stuff. Um, But we hadn't received an emergency alert from the college. Um, So, me and Lizzie decided to stay in Bridenbaugh, just in case it was an emergency situation. Um... So, but her phone had died and mine was about to die. So we were kind of just like waiting around to see what was going on. Um, and then we had like leaned back outdoors, um, to, um, see if we wanted to try to make the trek home to Apple in the darkness. Um, because there were people running around outside screaming, or at least that's what it sounded like. Um, and not that I felt like I was in danger, but I also just didn't want to deal with hooligans. Um, So, and then when we opened the door, um, we heard an emergency siren. So we were like, oh my God, like something is actually wrong and it's complete darkness and we're stuck in Breidenbaugh. Um, and then the emergency siren proceeded to, um, be the soundtrack to the purge siren from the horror movie, um, which was like, not funny um, because it started with the emergency siren and many of us thought that was like a genuine emergency siren, that there was an active shooter or some other very dangerous situation on campus. Um, so we were very scared and ran back into Ball. And then uh, we called DPS and we were like, hey, we haven't gotten an emergency alert yet. We just want to make sure it's safe to like walk home. Um, and DPS said to just stay put. So we stayed put.
0: That's encouraging. <laughs>
1: um, until round two, until someone picked us up in their car and um, drove us to our respective homes since it was dark and we didn't want to walk through the darkness. Um, so did we ever find out what caused it? Is it a squirrel again? Do
0: we know? It was not a squirrel. It was an undefined Generator failure of some kind, or I'm sorry, not generator failure, transformer failure. They didn't really, uh, you know, identify anything in particular. We had some reporting to suggest that a switch was flipped incorrectly. That never got confirmed. Um, that was from a member of the facilities staff um, who had had mentioned that to someone, um, but neither met Ed. Which is the utility provider? Um, nor the college ever really came around to to confirm that they, it was a, there was a utility pole somewhere on campus that had something that went wrong, and it wasn't just the college that lost um, that lost power here. There was, you know, throughout the town, power went out but not everywhere. Education House, which is on Washington Street, had power. Col- Humor- College Apartments
1: had power. College
0: Apartments had power. The Humor House, which is also on Washington Street, They're had basically power. not
1: on campus, let's be real.
0: Yeah, I mean, I did not lose power up at the seminary. No offense, Gari. Uh, are our abroad listener who would, of course, be offended by an implication of her former residence.
1: Of course. Yeah. In any I case,
0: was- living up at the seminary, we did not lose power. Um, so, but... I was speaking with members of you know, the college staff or some faculty folks who live in town who said they did lose power for either um, a couple hours or all the way into the late morning. But the college ended up not having power for about 10 hours. There's an official dictum canceling morning classes. Wow! indeed.
1: Wild, because we are a residential college, and we do not succumb to major problems such as snow and inclement weather of any kind.
0: Yes, but the power, that'll do it, apparently. Uh, (laughs)
1: Well, we couldn't get email or internet or anything, because that's all here on campus, right?
0: Yeah, I'm a little um, dubious about the wisdom in having our campus network housed on campus. dubious. Yeah, Uh, it seems to me like other major corporations figure this out, and yet every time the power goes out, we suddenly lose the ability to communicate, which, you know, when the power's out might be a time at which we'd want to have email. I don't know. Lizzie and I would have appreciated that,
1: not going to lie.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, they do send out you know a number of phone calls but not every faculty and staff person is on the emergency alert system which is not to say that they shouldn't be but that it's an opt in not an opt out for for faculty and staff so faculty showed up uh Wednesday morning and were wondering why no one was at their classes um you know and I
1: didn't realize that that's kind of funny not going to lie sorry to the faculty that did that that's just Oh, that's slightly humorous to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I saw a, one tweet from a, a professor who lives up in the Mechanicsburg area who Yikes. drove down for his 8 a.m. class. And oh,
1: my God. Oh, now it's not funny. That's just not funny.
0: There's nowhere to be found. So, I mean, he took he took it in stride. He was tweeting about him sitting outside grading and there was no power, and he was he thought that they were going to start firing up some grills because they couldn't cook, but I don't know <laughs> if that ever happened. But so you know, I mean, it was a. He seemed to not be too upset about it. Although I, I don't know if he was a representative sample of faculty that were not opted into the into the emergency alert system. It just seems yeah. kind of odd that you know the college website goes down, email goes down.
1: I didn't realize our website went down. Yeah, I feel like that's a problem. I, I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It just just not a great look for the college.
1: Yeah, definitely not.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So, in any case, that was the great calamity of the past week. Later in the week, though, there were a smattering of campus events, including one, Mary, that not only did you attend, but then you were quoted in a Gettysburgian article.
1: I was. I don't know what I was quoted saying, because I'm not going to lie. I have not read the article.
0: Um, But,
1: yeah, so I attended Oktoberfest, which was a good time. Um, I used to be in chorus and singing groups, so attending an event like that was really fun and a pastime for me.
0: Um, of course, referring to acapella in October. In well, case of wasn't course, clear. sorry if that wasn't clear, <laughs> it's clear
1: for me. <laughs> um, so it was really fun. It was in the attic. It was host provider. Um, always a
0: plus for folks.
1: Always a plus. I turned 21 last week. Um, <laughs> so went to that um definitely very fun um all the groups are so good we have really talented students on campus the addicts like mic systems kind of awful though. not gonna lie um they were like i think it was the first group that it was the worst and then i don't know if the system like worked itself out or not but they were extremely muffled and like it was not the singer's fault there was plenty of them like we should have been able to hear them loud and clear and there was it was just like Not good at all.
0: Yeah, so I guess they're all four groups. Uh, So, let's see. Upscale, the Spark Notes, four The Spark Notes, and Drop the Octave. And Drop the Octave. Of course, the Virgins editorial staff, well-represented among these groups.
1: Yes, um, Anna was there. Um, Lauren. um, Lizzie's not on the editorial staff, but she's a writer. She was there. Um... Who else am I missing? Someone? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's everyone. So that's still a decent amount of people.
0: Indeed. So anyway, so that was that was Friday. It was a it was well a attended event. Um, what else happened in the last week? There were some a, a handful of lectures that occurred right before the reading days. The annual Gondway lecture um, occurred, which focused on African uh, economic development in the context of. Uh, external debt, um, which was an interesting presentation. I was there for about the first 45 minutes before I had to uh, duck out, but it was, a, it was an interesting event. Pretty well attended. The president of the college was there. Provost Zappi was there. That lecture occurs every year in honor of Derek Gondway, um, who was the first black person to receive tenure and be promoted to a full professor at Gettysburg. He also founded the Africana Studies Program, and so it's co-sponsored by the Africana Studies Program and the economics department. He was an economics professor Um, and uh, also obviously taught in Africana Studies. So that was that. Uh, What else is going on? The football team won. What? Yeah, they defeated Juniata on the road, 31-28. I'm so proud of you guys. Juniata last year uh, was also the only team the football team beat. They finished one and nine last year, defeating Juniata for their (laughs) one win at home during reading days. Uh, so not many people were there, but uh, a, a subset of the bullets marching band showed up. It was an optional event. Keep keep up the good word. And this this season, they are now with that win. I believe one and six.
1: All so, right, all right. So you things know. are looking up.
0: They're one and zero oh in their last one game.
1: Um okay. <laughs> um, a personal plug. Um, this coming Tuesday. Well, when is this? tomorrow? Tomorrow, this won't air in
0: time. this is recording on Monday. It'll be it'll be live and up by Tuesday, i.e., tomorrow. But it'll probably be today by the time people listen to this.
1: Okay, we'll start over. Tuesday, October twenty second at six p.m. in Joseph Theater. There is going to be a lecture by an author who just released a book called Stolen, I believe. Um, I am told this is going to be an amazing lecture. Um, It sounds like a really awesome um, book idea, so make sure you attend that part of my, or that is going to be co-sponsored, I believe, by the office that I work in, so that is a bit of a plug, but it really does look like it's going to be a great lecture. You should attend if you can.
0: And you can attend because the Gettysburg Halloween Parade has been rained out. Oh, no. Preemptively rained out. Postponed till Wednesday, but the Bullets marching band not participating anymore. Uh,
1: What a shame, Ben.
0: Well, I will confess that I was so confident in it getting rained out that the drum majors did not even plan a costume.
1: Ben, that's so sad. No, can we plan your costume right now for your hypothetical
0: on the air, an on-air costume planning <laughs> session. On-air
1: costume planning session. How many are of them are there? there are you? There what?
0: There are three of us.
1: There's three? Oh, my God. You could be the witches from Hocus Pocus. There we go. See? How quick was that? I thought of that in, what, 0.2 seconds? Witches from Hocus Pocus. I vote you're the crazy redhead. Bette Midler.
0: Well, this pop culture reference means absolutely nothing to me. So.
1: You've never seen Hocus Pocus, Ben? What? <laughs>
0: I might live under a rock.
1: Ben, you gotta get into spooky season vibes. Come on now.
0: Let's get spooky. Halloween's always been a rather bizarre holiday to me. You had to dress up. Yeah, well, my costumes over the years have generally been vaguely um, politically based. One year I was um, (laughs) healthcare.gov. Uh, back when that was a fiasco, I was the NSA. The year of Edward Snowden.
1: Oh, sweet Jesus!
0: I was an NFL replacement referee the year that that was a thing.
1: Oh my gosh! So you're just controversial things every year.
0: Well, yeah, I suppose. What do you want to be this year? Well, I don't think I'm going to be anything. Why not? Because I think Halloween's a, you know it's 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 economic development for the for the party industry, and I don't want to prop that up. <laughs>
1: Why don't you dress up as like an impeachment inquiry piece of paper?
0: What would it look like to dress up like an impeachment inquiry?
1: You just wear all white and then on your t-shirt write impeachment inquiry and then like list a bunch of people that are being subpoenaed like literally as costume would take 10 minutes spin. Well do I'll we... help you if you need help. I am a quite I'm quite a crafty woman, let me tell you.
0: Quite a crafty woman, Mary says.
1: I'm very crafty. I love crafts.
0: Well, fortunately, the Gettysburgian does not have a Halloween costume party, so we're just going to cross that one off. That's a a good
1: idea. Mm, We'll get Maddie right on that. Okay, you hear this, Maddie? We're planning a Halloween party now. See you there.
0: Outstanding. All right. Well, I think we've officially exhausted the news. Uh, What a shame. Indeed. So. It was a fairly quiet week in case you couldn't tell from the reading days and whatever else. It had to be
1: a quiet week. We lost power. There was no communication.
0: All right. Uh, We'll be right back with the bullet report followed by my interview with the president of the Gettysburg College Student Senate, Pat McKenna.
1: Stay with us.
0: It's time for the bullet report. On October the eighth, the men's golf team finished first of thirteen to the Gettysburg Fall Invitational. The men's soccer team lost to Susquehanna 1 0 on October the 9th. The field hockey team lost to Messiah 4 0 the same day. The field hockey team defeated Haverford 1 nothing on October the twelfth. The men's soccer team defeated Muhlenberg 2 1 the same day. On October the twelfth, the women's soccer team lost one nothing to Haverford. The volleyball team on that twelfth also lost three one to Haverford. The volleyball team lost three one to Stevenson on the twelfth. And on the sixteenth, the women's soccer team lost to Franklin and Marshall 1 0. The volleyball team lost to Franklin and Marshall three to one. The field hockey team lost to Franklin and Marshall three nothing. The cross country team finished third of 28 at the men's cross country Gettysburg Invitational. The women's cross country team finished 10th of 26 at the same event. The volleyball team defeated Muhlenberg 3-0. The football team defeated Juniata. What? 31-28. Woo-woo! On the 19th, the women's soccer team tied Muhlenberg 1-1 and the men's soccer team defeated Dickinson 4-2. Thus endeth the bullet report. We'll be right back with Pat McKenna. And we are pleased to be joined by the president of the Gettysburg College Student Senate, Pat McKenna. Pat, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me this evening. So you have now been, I guess we should first note, we're we're recording this on Monday, October the 21st. This will air this week. I've perhaps been a little bit behind the eight ball getting this episode together, but here we are nonetheless. Uh, We are, you have now been president for, I suppose technically four months, but really about one month worth of classes. Mm-hmm. How do you say it's going so far?
2: I say it's going very well so far. I think that we have had a, a large cohort of really engaged students that are coming and participating in lots of meetings. Uh, our committees have been going without a hitch. Uh, we have, they've been well attended every single week. We've been able to take stuff from the floor, send it back to committee, have it come back to the floor changed, or you know maybe if it, it just goes to committee and dies there that's exactly what a a legislative body like we are supposed to be does. And I've been really pleased with the amount of participation. And, you know, I just want to plug it again because I'm really, really happy with the stat. 53% of the freshman class voted, or the first year class, I should say. That's an absolutely fantastic number and blows past any of the previous voting records that we have held. What were those
0: records? Do you know offhand?
2: Offhand, I don't. I'm sure we can go back and try to find the the data. But I know that uh, in the presidential election where... Myself, or where I was elected, about a third of the eligible students voted. So in that election, which I would have to imagine had a little bit of a higher turnout than others, we blew that out of the water by twenty percent. And we have just had an absolutely fantastic um, group of first years that come. They participate. They're engaged. And I, I can't say enough about how great my executive board has been as well.
0: How do you go about, um, you know, keeping up that energy in the first year class? Because I mean, I think. And maybe this first year class is more so more engaged than previous ones. But I mean, I think it certainly has been the case that, you know, people come in pretty gung ho. And then, you know, our 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 dear senior class had a grand total of zero officers coming into the year, as I recall. And, and you know, I think we had a competitive election our first year, too. And so how do you kind of go about keeping up that level of
2: engagement? Yeah, absolutely. First, just to clarify, because this is a big pet peeve of mine. Senior class officers are not the same thing as senior senators. That's true, yeah. So there are four senior senators as well as four class officers. But you had to appoint some senior senators, too. That is a point well taken. (laughs) We we did have to appoint a couple of the senior senators as well. And I think that is the question, right? That is the fundamental question. We've gotten people here. People are engaged. How do you maintain that? And I really think that it is about being present. Uh, It's about hearing people, making sure that they're engaged and that you're really validating everybody that comes and comes to meetings and that they actually see results at the end of the day, that things don't just go to committee and die there, that we can actually see results out of what we're doing. And I think that if people continue to see results, uh, continue to see action, that's how we keep people engaged and that's how we make sure that people are involved and running in future years.
0: What are some of the results you're most interested in
2: trying to affect this year? So I think that when I came on the podcast last spring, when I had just been elected, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about what my goal for the year was. And I think that my goal for the year, if I remember correctly, is that I said that I wanted Senate to be boring. I wanted it to be like a legislative body that you don't have to necessarily think about day to day in a negative way, but you really want it to be a well-functioning body. And, you know, and I think that when legislators in general are well functioning, you don't really think about them all that often in any sort of way, except for a way of where can I go get something done. And so that's the general goal where I want to um, lean. One thing that I'm really excited about that we're going to be doing this year is actually, it, it revolves around budgets. And what we're going to be doing is uh, we, we re-han- revamped sorry, our uh, budget or our Senate uh, event reflection form this year. So after every Senate funded event, clubs need to uh, go online and fill out this uh, event reflection form at the end of each semester now we're going to compile a report of each event that clubs have done for the semester and this has you know what was your projected attendance what was your actual attendance questions of that nature, pretty low-intensity things. But there'll be a way to build kind of some institutional history for clubs in there. That'll help us provide for more accountable budgeting, too, at the end of each year, because now clubs can go back, and if there's a new transition in leadership or executive board or whatnot, you'll be able to actually go through and see what events your club has done in the past, which ones have worked, which ones haven't been as successful, and really figure out ways to be better. And really, that's what the role of the Senate should be, is just acting as a forum to help clubs and other student organizations and activities on campus be more successful.
0: It seems as if, and, and I haven't been at any Senate meetings yet this year that typically happen at the same time as the good old Bullets marching band, um, but it seems from from watching some of the, the videos of the meetings and, and reading the minutes and just talking to people that budgets, at least thus far, have been a little
2: less contentious than in years past. Does that seem right to you? That absolutely seems right to me. and That was definitely a priority of the executive board coming in, and I can't speak enough to how absolutely fantastic. Our treasurer, Giacomo Coppola, has been. Um, so first off, we, uh, we've put the link to the Student Senate website on the current student's landing page of the college. So right when you go get your student email, just a couple um, rows below that, it's linked to the Student Senate website. And that link to the website has all the forms that you need. And ha- we put up a couple uh, how-to request a budget forms up there. We've also held, um, Giacomo has held treasurer meetings, with different clubs and organizations to really walk through what the budget process is like and really be transparent and open about um, kind of what we can fund, what we can't fund just because of rules, and then really trying to work with clubs to make sure that budget requests are seamless. Um, And I really think that's been successful so far. Do
0: you think that clubs are requesting less money than they did in the past? Because, I mean, it seems like in the past there were, you know, when we think, when you use the term a contentious budget request, there were some Eye scratch, or you know, eye roller, head scratcher. There's the word I'm looking for. Head scratching items, or just rather exorbitant conference, you know, proposals or things. Do you think that there's less being, re- less money being requested, and that's also contributing to why budgets have been less contentious, or is it merely this kind of, you know,
2: process improvements? So, I can't really speak offhand about the exact dollars that have been requested at this point in the semester year by year. That's definitely something I can try to go back and look for if you're interested. Um, But I do get the sense that it's a pretty typical money flow, at least in years past. I think that the last time that we really saw those eye-popping numbers that you kind of are alluding to was probably our first year when we had a very active Model UN as well as a very active Model Arab League club. And they both came for at least, I'd say... $20,000 $20,000 worth of conferences all over the world and across the country for a very small number of students. And you know, we still have a very active model UN team, but they've also been focusing on events closer to Gettysburg, hosting a high school conference of students, which I think is a really great way to get even more students engaged. So offhand, I would say no, but I can't really think of in years past until back to our freshman year. Do you think that the
0: a couple of years ago, there was a an amendment about uh, conference funding in particular that capped the per student uh, outlay on conferences at, I want to say $275. Do you think that has,
2: you know, had its intended effect? I think it has. And I think that what that speaks to in a larger sense is that when we actually codify and put down what we can and cannot fund, clubs respond to it. And in years past, we have not really been strong about actually codifying what we can and cannot fund. And the process has just not been transparent, and it's been opaque. And that's when people get frustrated, and rightfully so. And that's absolutely something we've been trying to address this year.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I guess thinking about um, one thing you said a moment ago about your goal to keep Senate – boring for lack of a better term, you alluded before that, that you wanted, you know, you're trying to keep people engaged. How do you keep people engaged in something that you want to be boring?
2: So I guess it's boring (laughs) in the sense of an outside perspective, you know, I don't know how many people go and, like, occasionally watch C-SPAN for fun. I know that I can be one of those people. Well, so, yeah, you know, too. to to people, <laughs> exactly, you know. So I think that— Although
0: I would hardly call the United States Congress a well-functioning body to which we should all aspire, but sure, point sure. taken.
2: That, that was not the, where I was trying to go, but just, you know, for— the, the general, you know, when you generally think about Senate, it shouldn't elicit some sort of, you know, negative reaction is really what I meant by the boring comment. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that opportunity for clarification. <laughs> oh, my I pleasure.
0: Um, I know you've also been focused on making sure that or, or maybe not making sure that making Senate a place where, you know, various groups on campus that maybe have not felt as well represented in Senate in the past can feel um, included and, and, and represented. Talk a little bit about that work that you've been doing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the the most important things that we've been trying to push towards this year, and that's really making Senate a platform that everybody feels that they can come, go to, and speak about issues on campus, uh, because that's really what it's all about, right? We're supposed to be everyone there should be hearing and learning about issues that affect all different sorts of students on campus, and you know, that's a really important goal of not only the Senate, but just as a general liberal arts education. Um, And I think that really what it comes down to is, uh, you know, you need to go and actively listen to different groups on campus and show that, uh, you know, that they are a priority and that it's a priority to reach parts of campus that have not typically been represented in the student Senate. And I think um, to that end, you know, in the spring, we'll be hosting a kind of how to run an election um, seminar kind of with, with the OME. And so we'll really be trying to reach, and that'll be open you know, to all students, but we'll run it out of the OME, and really just try to uh, reach different uh, students who are interested in advocating for themselves that really have not had necessarily a platform before. Um, I've been trying to appoint a wide range of student perspectives to various committees. Um, so not necessarily people that are voting members of Senate, some are, but really people that are uh, engaged in our committees, which are open to everyone, but really trying to be purposeful in those appointments to really uh, try to uh, portray a broad range of perspectives from the student body to different various committees that students sit on. And I think and I, I hope that people that are appointed to these committees that are parts of or um, members of the committees, but not members of the Senate, really try to get involved in um, future years. I know I was having a conversation a couple weeks ago now, with somebody who's just been an absolute great voice in the Senate so far this year that mentioned to me that they didn't even really have a functioning student government in high school. So they missed out on their first year just because they, never, they didn't even really know it was an option. And, you know, that's, that's just an absolute shame. You know, you really need to go out and reach people that have not necessarily been engaged in kind of student government since before. Uh, I've been going to school board meetings since like the sixth grade, I think. You know, I was our, our rep in, uh, in high school and I had been kind of ten- tangentially involved in middle school. So that was something that was totally natural to me, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not the norm. So I think that really trying to be deliberate in reaching out to different parts of campus is key.
0: What do you think has made those efforts? I mean, because it, it certainly is not a new goal of students. And, and I think, you know... We've interviewed student Senate presidents each of the three years we've had this podcast. And, and each of the three times, um, you know, the president has alluded to a desire or spoken of a desire to get more people involved in Senate. Um, where do you think past efforts in that regard have fallen short that, you know, maybe, to, you know, that you, they are bearing some more fruit now than they were?
2: I think that um, it really comes down to viewing uh, kind of as an executive board. And you know, as committee chairs and stuff too, viewing Senate outside of that just seven to eight, maybe eight thirty time frame and then you one committee during the year. I think we've seen a lot more efforts this year across the board of people that go out of their way during the week, also to be involved in events, to hear from more students, to be a Senator or you know a committee chair, or a member of committee outside of just that one hour. Because it really should be outside of that one hour. You know, we heard in the meeting tonight people saying how they had heard from other people around campus that this is something that they um, cared about. And that has really been uh, just not evident in debates and discussions before. And I think that's a really valuable thing. So I think that, you know, making sure that you are going and, you know, attending different groups, events on campus and whatnot, showing that you are present there as a member of the Senate is really important. And something that we've been trying to uh, kind of crack out in policy committee has been kind of an attendance rule for Senate. Like really, and that, that'll that come out over the next few weeks, um, probably since we're in October. It'll be implemented for the, the following semester. But really trying to make sure that senators are going to Senate-funded events because, you know, you really should be going and be present as a senator to, like, learn about different groups on campus. You know, people are coming and talking about their events every week, you know, we should absolutely be going to them. Then I've, I've personally have been making an effort to go to at least one or two a week, um, Senate or just events around Mm -hmm. campus that I might not necessarily go to. Um, what
0: groups on campus in particular are you most interested, or do you feel that you're most interested in getting more plugged into Senate that maybe aren't as, as plugged in now? You know, I think, you know, maybe, maybe one group and, and not to, for, but as a possible suggestion, athletes, I know, are a group that historically has not been particularly well represented in Senate.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I hope that we can get every like uh, segments of everybody involved. Um, I know that Cindy Wright was in just a couple weeks ago. And, you know, uh, Jack Lashendock, our vice president, is really heavily involved in campus rec and whatnot. I know that uh, it's really hard to get athletes in general just because of kind of the structural issue of the fact that they've got practice a lot. And, you know, Monday night is the night that we have Senate and sometimes practices run over or, you know, maybe practices get out at 630 and like no one wants to come to a meeting at seven or eight or you know, seven to eight after a long day of practice, rigorous classes, et cetera. And athletes is a good example. Um, I would like to, you know, think about that some more. Uh, definitely maybe trying to get more people from like campus rec involved, um, stuff like that from that part of campus as well. Um, But I really just want, you know, Senate to be that representative body because, you know, we should be hearing from people that are involved in all different campus life, Um, whether that be um, minority groups on campus, athletes, people of the marching band, which I know is tough because the marching band, you know, practices during Senate times. It's not really anything we can necessarily do about that. Um, Members of Greek life, members of res life. Um, st- people that have leadership positions around campus, because really, it, you know, we can't address issues if we don't know about them. So we really need to make sure that we're hearing voices from all all segments of campus. And I, that was not an exhaustive lift list I just gave. Mm-hmm. That is just, you know, what came off the top of my head.
0: Do you think that um, that Senate being a senator is a year-long commitment as opposed to a semester-long, you know, as opposed to, you you know, you're a Senate for a semester and then the next semester there's a different election or, you know, the election happens at one time. But in any case, you know, do you think if, it, if there, that situation that you just outlined might be improved in some way if, you know, in the fall you have one group of senators in the spring, maybe people who play fall sports can be a spring senator or vice versa or, you know, marching band is a fall activity and, do you think that there might be a way, I mean, and people going abroad is another way in their junior year, that the junior year appointments are that way. But do you think that all classes being that way might contribute to that, um, to solving that or not solving, but making progress on that problem?
2: That's a really interesting point. I hadn't necessarily thought of that. So for the for the listeners who might not be you know as familiar with Senate <laughs> attendance as Ben is. Um, so in the junior year, with so many students going abroad, uh, you run in the the fall of your sophomore year, basically for semester positions. So if you're going to be here for the full year, that's fine, but you have to run in separate elections for the fall and the spring. And if you're going to be here for the uh, just a semester, so for instance, I my junior fall, I went abroad to Berlin, Germany, but I had checked the box to run as a senator in the, um, in the spring. Sorry. Um, and so that's how we kind of alleviate and want to make sure that we are encouraging people to go abroad. You know, it's part of that liberal arts education. Um, but that's a really interesting point. Uh, I hadn't thought of that before, but off the top of my head, I I think that would be bad for first years because, you know, you're already coming in. It takes you, you're you're figuring out college, you're figuring out life, you're figuring out what you want to be a part of. So I think that it takes a while to get your feet under you just as a first year. So I would really like to see that kind of first year, um, student be that full year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you've got sophomore year, junior year, it's already like that. And by senior year, you know, if you're not kind of plugged in, it's very rare that you would be plugged in by that point. So mm-hmm. that's definitely an interesting idea, not one that I had thought of before, um, but it would definitely need a little more fleshing out. Right. But I, you know, any sort of ideas like that to increase participation is something that I'm more than happy to talk with anyone about. What are you
0: hoping to get done throughout the remainder of this semester, maybe more in a concrete fashion? Are there particular, you know, meetings coming up or agenda items that, you know, are more concrete than than kind of the putting Senate on the back burner of
2: things that stress people out? Sure. Um, so we've uh, and I I've been kind of calling and, w- and waiting for I would really love to see different student groups come in. And like give presence. So, you know, we have administrators a lot. And that's something that I would love to continue have. Uh, like, for instance, the Career Center is going to come in next week and talk about all the neat opportunities for job shadowing, internships, ex- externships, kind of what they're all about. They're going to come in and talk about that. We've had uh, Dean Ramsey come in. We've had people come in and talk about the academic advising overhaul, making sure that we continue having administrators in so that students have a say in what's going in ar- around the college is an important goal. I would also love to see us move to having student groups come and present on kind of what they're about. We had Campus Rec come in, for instance, which isn't necessarily a student group, but it's more student-facing than perhaps some of the other Mm -hmm. ones I just mentioned. Um, So I would love to see more students get involved with presentations and whatnot. And I would also, um, we've been having really good debate this year on different issues, and people are are talking, which is really important. Um, But I think that something that might be nice is that you know, for, And for years, this has been kind of an issue that's, for people that are involved in Senate, that's come up a lot, is why is uh, kind of club rep attendance mandatory? And, you know, thinking about that question, there isn't really an answer why club representative attendance needs to be necessary. And... It seems like it's always been one of those things,
0: it's mandatory because it's mandatory.
2: Right. And, <laughs> you know, I don't think that there's any, you know, there's obviously virtue in not changing things super fast, you know. But we should all we should constantly be asking ourselves why is it that we do things x y or z and if we're just because that's the way it is is not an answer in my mind and so you know we've had people who, who come in and partic- are weekly participants that are you know not club reps not senators maybe they're casual members of a committee but they come in and share their voice and perspectives and that's that's important but you know for some poor club rep who just has to come And, you know, maybe they're not interested in whatever we're talking about that night. I think, you know, they don't necessarily have to come. And so I would be interested in seeing, and we've been having conversations about this, um, potentially making club rep attendance uh, optional. Uh, So, you know, you'd have to come every time that, you know, you're requesting a budget or something like that. But you don't have to come to the in and out, you know, send an excuse every time you're not there. Because, you know, you see it in the audience when the typical club rep can't come and somebody calls the name of a club and you know no one says anything for like 2 seconds everyone kind of looks around and then somebody that's a member of that club just says oh yeah I'm here which is you know fine you're fulfilling the attendance requir- requirement obviously we don't like to see that but you know we shouldn't force people to come if there's really no vested interest in being there well the flip side of that
0: and something maybe el- something else maybe you could mention or talk about a little bit is kind of the development of the af- role of affinity group leader right. and that was something that just to give a little bit of background to that, that came about the spring of our freshman year, our sophomore Sof- year. So that was, that was a Bosman. part of the election.
2: So yeah. Amy Bosman and I, Amy was a senior at the time. She was the vice president. Right, yeah. So we kind of worked in conjunction. I was the parliamentarian at kind of an election overhaul, and mm-hmm. she did a ton of work as kind of changing what the makeup of Senate was. And uh, so she had the ideas, and I wrote them down in the Constitution essentially And part of that, so a way to increase club representation, because, you know, a lot of people say, if I have to be here every week, why can't I vote on X, Y, and Z? And frankly, that's a fair criticism. You know, if they are there, if they're mandated to be there, why can't they vote on things? You know, I don't necessarily have an answer for that. And so I think part of what we had come up with as the affinity group leaders is that's kind of an idea where they were supposed to be the clubs would elect one voting representative, and that would be the ways clubs are more plugged in. And I think that that was a good idea in theory, but we have not fleshed it out super well so far. So I think that, um, and, you know, so right now, affinity group leaders have to act like any other senator. But they're not supposed to be like other senators. They're supposed to be representing their club. And something that we've done so far this year is to create aliases of the affinity groups with all of the... um, Club representatives of each club, and so that they can disseminate information or whatnot. So that's at least something that they're doing mm-hmm. to kind of centralize their responsibilities of being over clubs. What I would like to see, and this is something that we've also been talking about, so this would be kind of a, a a pair of amendments, I guess you could say, is that I think it would be really interesting if affinity group leaders say instead of having a weekly committee meeting they had to go to, what if they just held an office hour and you know cl- clubs that had any concerns and their particular affinity group that, you know, maybe maybe they're an athlete and don't have time to come to senate, you know, on a Monday night. Maybe they can pop in cuz the weekly office hour works better and they can say, "Hey, I've got X Y or Z concern. I can't make it to the meeting, but I know that you're my representative. Mm-hmm. Why uh, can you would you mind bringing this up?" And I think that would be a great way to kind of make sure that we're incentivizing that there is still some club participation.
0: What do you think is different about the role of a, the, what do you think that an affinity group leader can do that a regular senator quote unquote can't i mean ultimately everyone who is a club rep everyone who is an affinity group leader and everyone who is a senator is a student of the college who can vote in a senate election what what's the argument against filtering all of those types
2: of things that you're talking about through the regular senators so i think that that's fair and i just think that in the past we have not seen high enough voter engagement, engagement with, um, between senators and uh, kind of other students around campus. So I think that maybe in an ideal world, that is the way it works, but that's not necessarily what we see now. So I think that having the affinity group leaders be a point person for specific clubs just gives a little more weight to saying, hey, here's a way to make sure that you're really making sure that you represent a group of clubs. So
0: in some ways, then it's really kind of giving, I don't want to say in extra vote or a super vote too, but it's, it's giving those who have, you know, clubs who rely on Senate for money and things, you know, kind of those who have a vested interest in Senate, a more direct pathway into Senate.
2: Yeah. I mean, perhaps, uh, I mean, if you're a member of a club who is getting funding, you abstain from votes as of right now. And so, you know, any affinity group leader, I would assume does the same. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that it's some sort of like super vote situation. I think that it might just be a way to make sure that we are ensuring that you're reaching out to clubs and act and mm-hmm. clubs actively know that there's a place that they can go outside of that Monday from seven to eight where they can go to their affinity group leader and talk about issues. And of course, of course, we want senators to be acting like that for the general student body and the, you know, the mm-hmm. year that they represent. But I think it's also important to give clubs because beca- they're such an important part of the culture of Gettysburg, that additional voice to have and say here's another point of contact for you because I think that having as many points of contact for people is important and making sure that we're reaching out and staying engaged with all different parts of the campus.
0: All right. I think that's going to be a good place to end this. Pat, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: On Target for this week, we'd like to thank Pat McKenna for being our featured guest today.
1: We'd like to thank the staff of the Gettysburgian and the Executive Board of WZBT for their ongoing support for this project. Be sure to subscribe on to On Target on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts.
0: On Target is a joint production of the Gettysburgian and WZBT. Our theme music was composed by Diego Rocha, a 2019 graduate of the Centerman Conservatory of Music, who is now pursuing a master's in music composition in Missouri. Join us next week. I don't know who our guests will be, but I'm sure it'll be great. Have a great week.